my brother's retired and he's still taking naps. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm so tired. What do you mean so tired, man? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I've been still trying to figure that, that out. It is good to see you today. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Second King, First Kings. We just started a new series. We spent a lot of time in the book of Matthew. Hey, Maria, how you doing? You got back from your tour? One piece. <laughs> Amen. Amen. As you know, we have started a new study in the book of Ecclesiastes, and we are going to pick up with verse 12. But I decided I'm going to read a, another passage this morning along with our, our text. I'm going to bring you also up to date based on what we discussed last weekend as we move into the topic today. I, I decided to keep the same sermon title as I did two weeks ago, which is, Is There Any Hope? Part 2. I just may continue, continue to do a series on this, but is there any hope? It, it is hard to preach from the book of Ecclesiastes. You oftentimes have people go to the course that... That most popular passage in chapter 3, Time for Everything. But we are going to go through the book um, of Ecclesiastes. And this is the book that Solomon, the son of David, wrote. But if you would stand with me, please, as we pray. Today, our Savior, we are indeed glad to know that you love us beyond measure. You have blessed us abundantly. You have given us life. You temper the air. You give us the ability to breathe, and you don't charge us for it. We thank you for the sunshine, the rain. We often go about our day not even realizing how blessed we are taking things for granted. But here we pause to say thank you for blessing us and being with us, providing for us, and Helping us, even when we didn't know we needed help. We give your name all the glory and the praise for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, I'm going to pick up at verse 12. Chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, verses 12 through 18. And then I'm going to go to First Kings. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along with me on the board on the the screen above behind me. And this is how it reads. Be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. Under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. I'll pause for a minute. Did we lose? Okay, you didn't save it? That's okay. I'm going to keep on going. Verse number 15. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know 
madness and folly, I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. I'll give you time now. Let's go to 1 Kings. Chapter 3, the Old Testament. 1 Kings, chapter 3, beginning at verse number 3. 1 Kings. And this is what it says. 1 Kings, chapter 3, verses beginning at verse 3. Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches, or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word, but behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I have given you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor. So that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast. For all his servants. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Is there any hope? Part two. One of the things that is fascinating to note is that when a person pleases God, the Lord has a way of not only granting you what you often ask for, but he often 
will throw in that which you didn't even ask for. But God's timing is not your timing. There are times when God even says no to you because he knows what's best. You see, there are some people that says God always says yes. Well, I've got news for you. You don't even say yes always to your kids if you have children. Your parents didn't always say yes to you when you asked for candy and ice cream right before dinner. They said, no, that's going to mess up your dinner. But I want it right now. Sometimes we don't know what's good for us, even as adults. So when we come to the Lord, we have to understand that he knows what's best for us. And because he loves us, he gives us what we need, but he often gives us our heart's desire. You see, when we have a desire to please God, then we want the things God wants. It doesn't mean that we don't oftentimes have things that we desire that, that, you know, we just want. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have to also be okay when the Lord says no. It was God who says, I was pleased when Solomon asked for wisdom. Now, that's a request. Because I tell you, me, I don't think, oh, Lord, what, what, what do I want? Well, I want a lot of money. I want a mansion on a hill. I, I, I want people that bother me. I want you to zap them. And I want to see my enemies get in trouble. Have you not known when God deals with your enemies, you oftentimes are not around? <laughs> but Solomon says, you have given me people, and I'm a young child. I want a discerning heart. I want an understanding mind. It was the Lord who said to Solomon that because you didn't ask for those other things, not only am I going to give you wisdom that surpasses anyone that's come before you and anyone that will come after you, I'm going to even give you what you didn't ask for. When we look at the grace and the love and the mercy of God, it is often the grace of God when we consider that gives us really what we don't deserve. That's really what grace is. Grace means God's unmerited favor. Grace, grace is that help that God gives you that you really didn't, you really don't deserve. He just gives it to you. He gives you grace. You can't, you can't earn it. You can't work for it. It is a gift of God. So when you think about God's grace giving you what you don't deserve, we have to be very careful that, that we don't become high-minded and began to think, well, I, I got it because I deserve it. No, no, no. It, it is God's mercy that he gives us life. He gives us the, the privilege of being able to be with him. He gives us the privilege of being able to walk and to be able to get around. He gives us the privilege to be able to see and to have breath. He gives us so many things that really we don't deserve. It's his gift. It's his grace. And then in his mercy, he often holds back that which we really do deserve. You see, we don't really deserve heaven because we have told God, I don't want you by our action. That's just who we are. When Adam and Eve said, I'm going to do it my way, they told God, leave us alone. You see, it really is God pursuing you. You see, sometimes we think, oh, I've made a wonderful decision. It, 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 no, it's God pursuing you. This week I got a call 
from a nurse that used to work in Marin City and in Sanderfield, some of the work that I do. But she gave me a call because she was, she was told by a, a lady that I used to work and help her daughter some, a few years ago in, in having some difficulties. But she says, why don't you call uh, uh, Pastor Small and he might have a way to be able to help or point this person in the right direction. So I get this call, and she said, there's, there's a lady that is in San Rafael, and she used to attend church over in, not San Rafael, but, yes, San Rafael. She used to attend church over in the East Bay, but her husband passed, and she's not able to get over there. And we're just trying to right now figure some things out. It doesn't have family. We just want to figure out how we may be able to help her get to church or figure out what she may need. I said, I would be willing to talk to her. So the day that I got the call, I called her right after, and I said, you know, I'm going to be a little busy this morning, but I'll come this afternoon if that works. She said, oh, that would be wonderful. So I go to see her that afternoon, that evening, and she's sitting in here. She said, now, when you knock on the door, I'll say, come in, just go ahead and open the door, because she's not able to, able to walk very well. And I enter the house, and she said, I, I knew your dad. And I used to go to church in Marin City down at, the, down at First Missionary, but, but Pastor Perkins wasn't there at the time. It was a Pastor Henry, I think she said. And then Pastor Perkins came later, but I, it was years ago I used to be there. And she knew some of the people, many people she didn't know. But as we were talking, um, she was just saying, saying how she lost her husband a couple of years ago. And she said that right now he didn't purchase a house, and right now I'm in a situation to where it just... Even just with the rent, the rent's going up. The people that's working with me are trying to help me find assisted living. And we went on and we just talked. And while we were trying to talk and figure out how she could get to church, she said, the problem is that I have to keep my legs elevated just because of my health. So while it might not work, I said, you know, well, there's a a person that helps us with food. And I sent a text to one of our members here and said, you know, we want to look at trying to help this individual with with, with the seniors that are sick and shut in. And maybe we can get a bag and... But she can't really cook and just a lot of needs. So I said, I'm going to be back in touch with you. I left, had the service yesterday, but on Friday night, Holy Spirit whispered to me, take her a plate tomorrow. So after the service, I went to the modular and Rhonda there and, and uh, Barbara and Donnie. And I said, I need to get a, get a plate and to go. And so they put this plate together and Rhonda put some things together. And I made a call to Sister Eileen, and I said, I'm, I've got to make a stop before coming there, but I'm going to bring you something to eat. Uh, we have a plate here, and she has to watch her salt. So when I got in the air, I said, I- I'm, I'm right around the corner. I'll be there in a few minutes. Got to the house, knocked on the door, said, hi, she's glad to see me, and talked to her for a few minutes. And I was about to go, and I prayed with her just a few days before. She said, I wanted to tell you something. A person came by my house today and brought me a meal earlier, and I was sitting there thinking, I don't have any food to eat. And I said, Lord, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do? And the Lord sent you. (laughs) Here it is. I was thinking, God is good, she says. I was just thinking, what am I going to do? And I've got now dinner. That's just how my God works. And we just there worshiping God, thanking God for his marvelous knowledge, what he saw already. And here it is, 
just met her, how God orchestrates things. Do you not know that God knows every detail? When Solomon asked for wisdom, God knew what he was going to ask for, but it pleased the heart of God to give him wisdom. Do you not know God has already mapped out your life? And if you're not careful, you'll go in a different direction thinking that you know what's best. When the Lord gave Solomon wisdom, you will know something very interesting that I didn't read earlier. A little higher up, you'll note that his father David gave him instructions that now you be sure to follow the ways of the Lord. But in that verse that we read, you'll note that the Bible says, but Solomon continued to offer sacrifices on the high places. That statement, even though he asked for wisdom, led to a future problem for Solomon in the dividing of the kingdom of Israel. When his heart was torn away. And what we have in the book of Ecclesiastes, we have Solomon, when he was king, in the book, reflecting about all of the things that he had gained in the wisdom. And it's his autobiography, his autobiography in this book of Ecclesiastes of what it was like that he experienced. And ultimately what he comes to determine that life is meaningless. It's all vanity without God. And what you have Solomon going through is right now he's making plans. When you look at chapter, tw- at chapter 1 of, of Ecclesiastes beginning at 12, he, he's, he's beginning to make plans mentally about what he's going to do. He's telling you his thoughts of what he was going to go through, what he was going through as he thought about how he was going to pursue and look at pleasure and all these different things. There was nothing that Solomon didn't experience. And he came to realize that After everything, all is vanity. Point one, I won't be very long. Is gaining wisdom enough? Why are people disappointed in life? Many people are disappointed when they don't get what they want. And and they are even more disappointed when they get what they want, but it does not bring the satisfaction that they were hoping it would bring. You see, it's only a matter of time that the very thing that you are pursuing won't bring the same satisfaction. And then you're off looking for something else to satisfy that longing. And Solomon was one who searched diligently and tried everything. And when he got to the end, he says, that that didn't do it. And then he tried something else and he gained all of his wisdom and he tried this and he learned and that. That didn't bring the full satisfaction that I wanted. And then we have this dialogue which says, all is vanity, everything. But what is he doing? He, he, he is painting this picture. He's using what I say we call hyperbole. He's using exaggerated language to show the futility of life without God. Hmm. I mentioned two weeks ago that if you weren't careful, that... With all of Solomon's wisdom and all of his talk, you would have had to put him on suicide watch. Because he is saying everything is meaningless. Everything is vanity. And when the person starts talking this way, you begin to think, are they they okay? I'm going to have to 5150 this person. 
And not only when they're 5150, the doctor may say, we're going to put a 14-day hold on you. We're going to make it a 5250. Solomon was one to where one began to think, is, is, is he okay? But he's just reflecting of all the experiences. What is it like? You see, life without God would cause you to even ponder, is life worth living? We even have that thought at times, even living for God. Why? Because there are times when we go through periods of depression. You see, Solomon had periods of, and bouts of depression at times because he says, I've learned all these things. And then when I, when I, I amassed all this, what even made it sometimes worse for him is that then I've got to die and leave it to somebody else, and I don't know if they're going to be wise or a fool with all the stuff I've accumulated. And it made him look at all these things and ponder. Have you taken time to look at your life and say, you know, I've done all of this, but has it brought the satisfaction that I was looking for? You see, when I was growing up, my parents were little things that we had. But back in the, in the South, when my parents were growing up, they didn't, they didn't have all of that. We wanted this thing for Christmas. And go out there and play in that dirt, boy, in the South. <laughs> you know, that's what they had. Go, go, go make up a game. And they had fun. I recall in South Carolina, when we go down to South Carolina, there wasn't no TV. I don't think there was no TV. There wasn't no TV in Grandpa Household. No. You go there and you have fun. You outside. You go out to, in the front, go out the back, come back, go to the barn, go jump off the roof somewhere, you know, go throw rocks at wasps' nests and run from them, throw pigs into the water, run from the, pig, the mama pig, all kind of things. You make up stuff. It was fun. We weren't bored. I just tell you, when the nighttime came, I was ready to leave. Ain't no, ain't no lights down there. I'm a city boy. I ain't not no country boy. Ain't no lights, man. What y'all doing running up and down that street? Y'all can't see? Don't leave me out here. Things that we search for oftentimes don't bring the, the, the pleasure. It, it doesn't last. And so we began to question. And so Solomon is questioning. But, but Solomon asked for wisdom, and God granted him wisdom. But Solomon kept sacrificing on the high places. You see, there's this part of us that we like to blend a little bit of God and a little bit of that, a little bit of God and a little bit of that. We don't want to give up our stuff altogether. We, we, not, not to live wholly for God. We, we, want to, we want to live a compromised life. Solomon lived a compromised life. It, it, it didn't. It didn't fare too well. You, you see, somehow people think that when they come to God, they're going to miss out. Don't you know that when you come to God, you have the best time you could ever have? I have not had more fun as a Christian. You know, I've had more fun as a Christian than when I was living in the world. It's fun being able to worship God because you can look back and say, look at what God just did. Well, when I, when I see the, the lady yesterday and says, I, I was just thinking what I was going to do. And the Lord had already provided the answer of what he was going to do. Here you go walking down the street and lo and behold, the very person that you needed to see. And here they go walking by and driving by right at that time. You know, that, what a coincidence. No, there are times when God orchestrates and, and plans things for you. Why? Because for those who belong to him, he, he ordains your life. He makes plans for you. 
Solomon's vast wisdom, you have to remember that there was no human being wiser than him, yet there were things that he could not answer about life. It is the story of many people who start well when they live for God in disaster when they decide to move outside of his will. They, they move into a disastrous life. I'm quitting God. I'm leaving him because I'm disappointed in him. What happens when God gets disappointed or becomes disappointed in us? Have you ever really stopped to think how faithful God is that when he becomes disappointed in us, that he does, oh, I'm going to leave you to yourself. The moment he was to do that, we would no longer be. If God said, my dad said, God could just wish you away. You be gone. Told you he sent the he sent the wind after Jonah. Wind, go, Jonah's going down. He's going to toss his goat. Go get Jonah. Wind. Go get him. Fish. Jonah's going to be driving by in just a minute. Pick him up. Take him close to the place that I told him to go. Now I'll let you know when to drop him off. Just barf him out. Can you imagine Jonah looking back as he's getting out of that fish? Going to do what God told him to do the first time. We could save, save ourselves a lot of headaches if we just do it God's way first. Solomon started well. What kept him from fully serving God at the beginning? What made him decide that he was going to still offer up sacrifices, even though he had all that wisdom? And one of the wonderful things about Solomon is that he would ponder things. He would map things out. He would think about it. You see, the Epicureans were a group of people that thought in life, the, the best thing you could ever do was to enjoy pleasure and avoid pain. That was the Epicureans. That was their whole life. Just your life was to avoid pain and just enjoy pleasure. Don't even worry about hell, heaven, eternity. That is not your worry. Just enjoy. And when you look at Ecclesiastes, you have Solomon looking at it, but from the perspective of that, what's in this? I'm going to do everything. And, and look, and yet there's still an emptiness. Have you ever done everything you wanted to do, and yet there was still an emptiness when you got to the end. And you began to think and wonder, why did I do that? It still didn't bring. And yet then when a person says yes to the will of God, it can be so simple. You just say, wow. Just profound. Profound. What God would do. One of the key commands that God gave the children of Israel when they entered the promised land was that they were to destroy the high places. When they came into the land, their responsibility, when God gave the law to that second generation going, is don't worship the gods of the land that you're going into. Don't worship their gods. They're not gods. Don't worship them. That was an instruction that they got at the beginning. It's not like they didn't know. Moses told them. Joshua told them. The leaders after Joshua continued to inform them, don't do it. But they did. And so somehow there's the belief that we can violate God's law 
and yet come out okay. The only way that we can come out okay with God is when we forsake that which he says we are not to do and begin to pursue him wholeheartedly. That's what pleases God, is to pursue him wholeheartedly. That's what he desires. And so he told the children of Israel, destroy them. But they did not. <laughs> Solomon, in, verses, in, in the verses that we read in Ecclesiastes, talks about, as I mentioned, uh, the plans that he made when he was king to pursue his heart's desire. And what we have here is him outlining and telling us what he did and the results that came about. We must not lose the perspective that Solomon is ultimately relaying what life is like without God. The book deals with constantly vanity of vanities and, and everything under the sun is vanity. And he, again, he is looking at it from the idea of, of hyperbole of saying that, wow, after all of it, there is still this emptiness. When we look at verse number 15... He says, what is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. This refers to a problem that really cannot be solved, in other words. Also, if one is lacking information, that which is not there cannot really be counted. And so he, he, is, he is looking at this thing that when there's something that's, that's crooked, excuse me, that, that the idea here is that the problem can be solved, even in all of his wisdom, Solomon didn't have all the answers to some very basic things in life. And he says, how can that which is crooked be made straight? Then when you look at verses 16 through 18, Solomon says, now, this is what I'm going to do. And when you then look at verses 2, 1 through 11, Solomon then says, this is what he did. But those verses before is just basically outlining his thought process. What his plans were. This is what I'm thinking. And then when you get to chapter 2, it says, this is what I did. Have you ever began to do something and you had second thoughts once you started it? But you said, I'm too, I'm too far in right now. I can't stop. Have you ever had that? I've got too much invested right now. I can't keep going. And then you lose more. I really can't stop right now. Sometimes you've got to count your losses as, hey, you know, that's it for me. That's it. That's it. And, and we've got to get to a place that, that we, get, we come to God and says, Lord, I know I've blown it, but you know what? I, I call it quits. I, I, I will follow you. I'm going to do what you have called me to do. I pause right now to say, take my life here. It doesn't make a difference where you are in your life. God can take your life right where you are and make a change that you never thought was possible. There's nothing too hard for him. Nothing that he doesn't understand. Nothing that he doesn't comprehend. The thing that we have to remember and keep in mind is that will we trust him with our life? Will we trust him with the very things that we ourselves have a hard time letting go? Will you give God full reign and the reins of your life? The reins like on, you know, horses, you know. Will you give him control of your life? Will you allow him to be the God of your life. Solomon used and pursued what God had given him, and he notes that the wisdom that had been given him surpassed all who were before him. 
surpassed all. And I'm going to tell you this. I think that was even a, a problem for Solomon because he was so smart. He, he even knew the questions to ask. He pondered things. He wrote a thousand proverbs. I mean, what, 3,000 um, proverbs and, and, and his, his ability just to answer questions. People from all over came to see Solomon. Now get this. The wisdom that Solomon got came from God. Do you not know that God has everything you need? If you're lacking anything, just take a look at Solomon. God gave him everything his heart could desire. Wisdom? You see, people pursue wisdom and knowledge sometimes just for the fact and for the purpose of just receiving it. Back in the day, the Epicureans I was just mentioning, and some of the, um, some of the individuals, the wisdom seekers, that's all they wanted. They thought that the ultimate goal of life, part of it, was just to have wisdom. But you see, there is no wisdom without God. The Bible mentions that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If you really want wisdom, you've got to start with God. And God doesn't have a problem giving you what he has. In conclusion for today, let me say this in conclusion. Whatever you may be facing today, God already has the answer. You may not like the answer, but he already has it. For those who have, who live for God, the thing that we have to keep in mind and remember is that God does what's best for us because he loves us. In other words, he will always do what's in your best interest. You may not recognize it right then, but down the road you can say, that's why that happened. Because I can now see, because God is able to see in the past as well as the future. And so some of the difficulties that you may be experiencing, give it to God. So the question is, is there any hope? Yes, there is. But it's only found in the Lord. He's given us a wonderful, the wonderful privilege to be able to seek him. Given us life, a mind, to be able to think, to be able to reason. But it was never meant to be without him. So is there any hope? Yes. But it is found in the Lord. Will you stand to your feet? Your feet, please. If you've been having a problem letting things go, or trusting the Lord, or trying to figure out how, how I'm going to do it, I want to encourage you today. Just like Solomon asked God for wisdom, I, I want you to ponder really what should you really ask God for? Is it just to take the problem away or that God would give you the ability not only to understand but to go through in a way that honors him and a way where he leads, guides, and directs? Sometimes when we go through things, we want the pressure to be gone off, just to be taken off. But the question is, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? What are you doing? And I'll trust you and do it. Today, God, as we prepare to leave this place, we are praying that as Solomon, we will ask for wisdom, that we will forsake that which you have told us to not pursue, that we won't pursue the high places, but that we will pursue a, a quiet place with you, our own area. And, and if it's a high place that we meet you there, not any idols, not anything that's false, but we will meet the Lord.
Today there are people that are hurting. There are people that have questions. And, and yet, there really are answers. But they're found in the Lord. And there's not often an audible voice where we understand, but it's found in the pages of Scripture. It's found in talking to individuals and, and, and seeking what it is. And today we are praying that you will help us to do those things and to live a life for your glory, recognizing that, yes, we are here, and you have given us the privilege to be able to enjoy things on this side of eternity, but it is to be done with the idea and perspective that you are always to be first and honored in our lives. We love you today for who you are. You are the great and mighty king. You love us beyond measure. The fact that you made us in your image lets us know that you love us beyond measure. And as we leave this place today, would you give traveling mercy those that will be traveling, bless them, those that are going out of town. We lift up the Times and the Coleman family in a special way right now. And our dear brother George and Ida and the Times family, we just pray for them and bless them as they go. We lift up right now Sister Florence still and her family. And we continue to pray for those who have lost loved ones. We're praying that right now that you, God, will help the pain in the hearts of people, that you will be their king and their leader, their guide. We love you. We give you all the glory in our precious, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.